Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Woe So Daily. I am Joey. With me for his second appearance on our pod is Mr. Greg Velasquez. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Joey checking in after yet another uh, Japanese victory. I know. This is this seems to be your thing. It's a great time to have you on because your adopted women's national team of Japan got a 2-0 win over Costa Rica. Both goals coming in the first half, and I think this is the perfect place to start, Greg. What do you see in this second, really? Uh, again, Japan just coming out and asserting their dominance start to finish. Uh, I'll just say yet again how much I just appreciate watching them play. Uh, because they basically do all the things that it's supposed to be impossible for international teams to do. Uh, and I know that so far, their competition at the World Cup has not been the highest level. Uh, so they now have wins over Zambia and Costa Rica, two of the weaker teams in the field, I think it's it's okay to say. Um, but Or at least we, th- we think that. And, and again, what they've done so far in their other games has sort of supported that. But we have seen Japan do this against good teams, specifically the United States Women's National Team in the She Believes Cup. So uh, there's really good reason to believe that Japan are not just feasting on uh, weak opposition here. They are this good. And um, their game against Spain is going to be, it should be intense uh, for the final game of the group. Because again, you win the group, it probably puts you on the opposite side of the one half of the bracket as the U.S., yeah, do you think that Japan's going to have to change up what they do at all to play Spain? Because it seems to me like they can just roll this out, and we'll talk about Spain in a minute there, uh, just demolition of Zambia, but it seems like Japan can basically play this way against any team in the world, like you said, they did against the United States, and generate a ton of success. I mean, you know, a ton of success against the the elite teams, probably not, but it's still going to be, it still translates. And the reason it translates is because, again, what they're rolling out is just this incredibly organized style, both in possession and then uh, on the flip side, uh, in defense. So what they end up with is, again, that idealized club style, like elite club style of just controlling as many aspects of the field as possible at all times. So they're always in balance. They are, they're never opened up and exposed. And that stuff will translate just as well against the elite teams. It might not have the same outcome of, you know, four goals to none uh, that they're averaging now in these games. But they're, the, the success is, is there. You know, like they can be undone by a moment of brilliance. That's what happened. And she believes Alex Morgan and uh, Mallory Swanson uh, get, get by, behind them on a really nice sequence. But other than that, it's like the U.S. couldn't just get chance, any chance they wanted. So, no, I don't see them changing. I think they'll play the same thing against Spain. And, I mean, it's going to be, it's a brilliant group stage matchup. Yeah, it's one of those, uh, like we'll talk about tonight with the United States and Netherlands, that you just have your eye on from the uh, the moment that the brackets came out. Uh, And final question on Japan. Any player that particularly impressed you in this game? It was uh, Nomoto and Fujino with the goals. So, Nomoto coming in, uh, didn't start last match, came in, I think, for... uh... I don't know if she rotated in, in Junendo's spot, but she's coming in uh, as sort of a, a key bench player, and so she gets a chance to start. Japan gets to rest a couple of players and rotate uh, and still get the result. Um, so that was it was awesome to see her do that. And then the uh, the 19-year-old kid with the goal, um, yeah, they've added firepower since she believes, and they've, they've in- integrated that into their already incredible system. Uh, so, yes, people taking opportunities uh, for Japan and... Again, just sort of adding to what they can offer uh, in these bigger marquee matchups. Man, I really hope that Japan and Spain like don't go out in the round of 16 because it seems like 
round of 16 matchups are really going to favor uh, groups C and group E. That's Spain, Japan, U.S., and presumably the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think for Costa Rica, you just got to keep your head up. And now you come against the Zambia team, and we'll get to them now. Uh, a team that lost 5-0 to Spain. Again, super unfortunate uh, following another 5-0 loss to Japan. So for Costa Rica, you have your opportunity now uh, to make at least a little noise and maybe get a win uh, in your final World Cup game. But uh, as I mentioned, and we can move on to it, Spain 5-0 winners over Zambia, which means that Spain and Japan on a plus 8 and plus 7 goal difference uh, respectively and on 6 points apiece will move on into the knockout stages. Costa Rica and Zambia are eliminated. For Spain, it was another dominant performance. Again, you would expect it against a side like Zambia after their demolition of Costa Rica, but Jenny Hermoso got two goals. Alba Redondo got two goals. So for Spain, another dominant performance. I guess, Greg, the only question as it regards to Spain is... When do you think they start to get slowed down? When do they start to come against a, a quality of opponent that can really slow the attacking firepower that they've had on display in these first two games? Well, Japan will be able to. Uh, I mean, like, I'm certain that Japan will be able to slow this down again because um, even when Japan are having trouble uh, getting good penetration and creating chances, kind of like uh, she believes, they still control the ball so much so well in possession uh, because the U.S. again are not an unathletic defensive side. Like we were, we were trying to take the ball from them in that game uh, in Nashville, and we just can't. Like they are so calm in possession, and their movement is so good that even if they're not creating chances, they are defending via possession. Uh, so they are gonna they're gonna choke the the minutes off the clock just by holding the ball calmly and confidently. So that's gonna slow down any team they're playing against and cut down on the number of chances those teams get. Uh, almost almost just by definition. And like you said, they're going to need to do that against Spain, and they will do that against Spain, but a Spain team that had 75% possession, and, and the Spain team plays like the Spain teams uh, of, you know, lore, uh, 717 <laughs> passes, like, it's just the numbers are always ridiculous in terms of possession statistics. And so, yeah, like you said, Japan's going to have to... Um, control the game via the ball and control the opponent's chances by holding the ball because Spain, like we've seen, is quite capable of possessing and creating high-quality opportunities out of that possession. And for Zambia, I mean, again, like I said with Costa Rica, it's the same kind of thing. Really an opportunity to at least make a little noise before they head home uh, from this World Cup. Barbara Banda maybe can produce a little bit of magic like she did against Germany and again in that uh, pre-World Cup friendly like she did in the Olympics. So that could be a fun little matchup and see what Zambia is able to do against Costa Rica. But 5-0 is the very convincing result that sends Spain top of Group C and on to the knockouts. Notable, too, with that five goals, that was the threshold where they control the tiebreaker. So uh, they win the group with a draw against Japan. Japan will need to win if, if again, they prioritize trying to avoid the U.S. And I guess that will even depend on tonight's result. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, again, that draw, I think it starts to look a lot more attainable. Um, obviously, Japan can 100% beat Spain, but... You know, for Spain, you do have that little bit uh, to rest upon and uh, know that you can just take one point and move top of the group. 
Uh, and that fifth goal, by the way, came in the 85th minute. So it took them a little bit to get there, but they got there in the end and controlled that tiebreaker. We can move on and touch on the uh, the first game of this round of matches in Group B. It was the last game of the day, and it was Canada taking on Ireland, a match that Ryan and I previewed as one that's going to be chippy, one that was going to be hard, hard fought, contested in the midfield. But eventually, Canada came from behind and got the 2-1 win. But I think all the eyes are going to be on that opening goal. Katie McKay with an Olympico uh, in the fourth minute. And man, what a goal that was. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But Greg, how about an Olympico in the World <laughs> Cup? And I mean, so I had the broadcast mute, muting, muted while I was watching. But uh, was, was that Ireland's first goal in, the, in World Cup history? Is this their? Yes, like their what, first. Yeah, yeah. What, a, what a goal to do it on. So uh, uh, Sheridan kind of caught out there. And Sheridan is one of the better goalkeepers in the world. So uh, you, ha- you hate to see that from her or you love to see that from her, depending on where you stand on our CONCACAF rivals. Um, but a uh, real gut check warning for Canada because, and they lose that game and they are, they are almost toast. Uh, and instead they're now sort of in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think anything other than Canada advancing at this point would be a shock because essentially Nigeria would have to beat Ireland and they would have to lose to Australia and the goal difference would also have to work itself out. So yeah, like 100%, um, Canada now controls their own destiny. I mentioned uh, McCabe opening the scoring in the fourth minute, Megan Connolly with a very unfortunate own goal just before the stroke of halftime. Five minutes into the first half stoppage time, uh, a cross was swung in that she deflected toward her own net and beat her own keeper. Uh, That was one of the more unfortunate own goals, and... It was so touch and go because it was the slightest of deflections off the post and in uh, super unfortunate. And then Adriana Leon got the winner just after halftime, 53 minutes uh, on an assist from Sophie Schmidt. That was a very nice goal for Canada. They were able to defend a couple Ireland chances in the second half and eventually get that 2-1 win. Unfortunately for Ireland, they are eliminated with that result. With the win, they would have been in prime position to advance. But with that loss, they are unfortunately eliminated from their first ever World Cup. They still play Nigeria next, like I mentioned, with a chance to at least get their first ever World Cup point. I may have been, I may have been a little too hasty saying Canada were in great position to, to advance because Nigeria have Australia uh, coming up and Australia are missing quite a few players. So if Nigeria can sneak a point or, or even, I mean, pull off the win, uh, then suddenly uh, it's really just it could be Canada-Australia winner take all for advancing because uh, yeah Nigeria are definitely capable of, of taking point, points off Ireland as well so we could be looking at Nigeria's uh making their way into this into the knockouts which I would love frankly no no you're right about that I and I kind of discounted that because we, we think about Australia and Nigeria and if we're going you know if the past is supposed to predict the future in this one it should be an Australia win but like you mentioned Sam Kerr we think that she's out there's been multiple other injuries reported out of the Australia camp from training. I heard two concussions in one yes. training session. Crazy. How does that happen? Yeah, I don't. That, that's snake bit. Yeah, yeah, that's just not not what you want to hear in the middle of a World Cup. And Nigeria, like Ryan mentioned, uh, Oshawala, the star striker up top, and Dozier, who saved that penalty. 
Uh, so, I mean, it's it's there for Nigeria. And Nigeria, at this point, if they, they kind of control their own destiny. If you win these next two games, you are you are on to the knockouts. And they 100% could do that, especially given the Australia injuries that we know. So, yeah, good point, Greg. Uh, all still to play for for the top three teams in this group. It's only Ireland that have been uh, mathematically eliminated from the World Cup. And now I think it's time to move on and talk about the game that we have all been waiting for and probably the world has been waiting for, a rematch of the 2019 Women's World Cup Final. It's the United States taking on the Netherlands at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. Greg, I'll throw it to you. Your thoughts on this game. What can the United States do to take another three points? Um, I think they could play essentially the same game they played in 2019, which wasn't like some coherent masterpiece of soccer. And, and again, that is not really what we expect from the U.S. at this point. Uh, but they have, they've got the hosses, right? So uh, it really just comes down to, uh, in our individual talent, um, get a couple of moments to show what they got and convert chances. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's all I'm excited to see. I mean, I'm, ex- I'm curious about what the lineup will be after sort of the, the curveballs Vlatko threw at us against Vietnam. Um, do those mean anything? Were they literally just one-offs because of the uh, sort of flexibility built into a weaker opening opponent? Um, and, then, and then again, I am very curious about what the Netherlands will do because they are capable of a little bit more uh, organized play, I'll call it. And, and I'm curious whether they'll have that in them or if they're going to sort of try to sit back a little bit more. I felt in 2019 they mostly just sort of sat back and tried to absorb. Um, so I'm curious if that's what we'll see from them in this match. Yeah, and in the Discord, I saw that Berenstein has been rolled, uh, rolled out of this game due to injury. I think she suffered an injury in their opening game against Portugal. So I wonder, Greg, do you think that can ha- that's going to have any, you know, real hard and fast impact on this game? Or do you think that Netherlands are going to be able to uh, throw in a, another player, you know, that can replace a lot of what she can offer uh, going forward? I mean, I don't think they'll be able to just do that. The Netherlands have a lot of attacking firepower, but they're already without Medima and now to lose Berenstein, um, you know, you don't just have those laying around in the cushions. So uh, it could affect it. The, the other thing to keep in mind here is while this is a game that everyone's going to be up for, um, there also is sort of that back of the mind understanding that this isn't the make or break game, as, as crazy as that that is to say about a World Cup match that's a rematch of the 2019 final. Um, I think, you know, both managers will understand, like, whatever happens in this game, you're still in very good shape to advance because for us, it's, you know, we have Portugal coming up and we're much better than Portugal. Uh, so it's kind of a perfect, like, test it for, for a manager standpoint because you get the high opposition it's a world cup the intensity is going to be there but the stakes are actually not as high as you know a normal matchup against this caliber team would be in the world cup in a knockout game so um it's it's kind of this again like a, a perfect setting to really be invested in how we play knowing that there's a big safety net of another game against portugal um if things don't turn out the way we want i guess the final question that i have for you as it pertains to this game is do you think that these managers are going to approach it almost uh, like a knockout game and kind of test maybe whatever changes they might throw tactically in a more knockout, like must-win kind of setup? Or do you think do you think we're going to see a more idealistic approach or a more practical approach in this game? Well, I, I guess I'd never accuse Lotko of an idealistic uh, approach to begin with. Um, so I know I, I expect it to be 
pretty much uh, of, of a kind with what we normally see from the U.S., which is, uh, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of uh, cohesive team play, um, but occasional uh, explosions of it, kind of like we saw, you know, against Vietnam on the opening goal. Like, occasionally something like that will materialize. Mostly, though, um, kind of head down individual uh, attempts to see what that player can do. Uh, and, and for the Netherlands, uh, I don't think they will approach this any differently um, tactically than they would if it were a knockout game. I think I think they 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 would have the same idea of how to win it in either case. So uh, I'm kind of expecting them to sit a little bit and try to absorb and and maybe hit us on the break. Yeah. Do you have a forward line that you think is going to be penciled in for this game? Do you think it's going to be similar to that first game, the Morgan Smith Rodman that we've come to expect, or do you think we could get a an Alyssa, Alyssa Thompson Lynn Williams curveball? Um, I, f- I feel like I could see, uh, Alyssa at this point more than Lynn. And that's just based on Vlatko's comments about Lynn being the perfect 15 minute sub. Uh, and then the fact that Alyssa started the, the send off match, uh, and was, uh, subbed in in the last match. And so I don't know if, uh, if Lynn is dealing with something, I feel like we've kind of heard, uh, murmurs of Lynn dealing with an injury, um, which may have contributed to her, to Rapino being first off the bench and then Thompson coming in later. Um, or it could just be again, like. Thompson Thompson just has it. So a uh, Thompson start wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, and again, knowing that all these decisions do have a little bit of a safety net under them. Yeah, and that the U.S. do not have to win this game if we want to advance. We do have to beat Portugal in the next match if we don't uh, get a result in this one. But here's hoping that we can have a repeat of four years ago and win this game. I think that would ease a lot of uh, kind of tepidation that we uh, saw after that first game where... The U.S. won, but it wasn't necessarily convincing. So if we're able to get a win against a high-quality opponent like the Netherlands, that would be great. Uh, the other game, or the other in this group, uh, the other two teams, one of which we've played in Vietnam, the other which we haven't in Portugal, kicks off at 3.30 a.m. on the East Coast. I think, again, Vietnam is kind of the uh, the real underdogs in this group. And I think that'll probably come to pass in this game as Portugal look to get their first points of this World Cup. Greg, do you see a Portugal win in this one? And if so, how do you think that's going to impact the group heading into the final match, Jay? So I do. I mean, I do think Portugal is going to get the win, uh, though it would just be, again, an outstanding story if Vietnam steal a point here, um, which they could do. You know, they're, they're going to sit back and uh, defend in their uh, deep base. Uh, so... <laughs> So if Portugal can't string together enough uh, chances or if their set pieces let them down, like that would be amazing uh, just for the storylines. Um, it would also help us quite a bit if Portugal go into that last game on one point instead of three. Um, but regardless, I feel like, uh, you know, I guess, I guess we'll sort of be, I guess we will sort of be tracking Portugal and, and whether they can run up a score because, uh, you know, like we talked about before, there is still that perfect storm possibility of the U.S. losing tonight and then uh, getting a draw against Portugal and both teams finishing on four points and U.S. crashing out on goal difference. So in that case, all the all the bits about, you know, our finishing woes against the Vietnam, like that could technically come back to bite us. Hopefully it doesn't, but that's one of those <laughs> where that discourse about the 13 goals against Thailand and like, was that too much? I mean, in, in this case, if we had scored 13 against Vietnam, which I obviously in, in hindsight was never going to happen. But if we had run up to score against Vietnam, I, there would be no yeah, like we, we would have we would advance basically no matter what. We would just have to take one point 
out of these final two games. But because we didn't run up the score, and if Portugal do, like you said, we could be heading into a situation where a draw and we don't advance. So again, one of those things where these these little things could come back to bite us. Uh, hopefully they don't, but Portugal... Um, by far the favorites in this game really should take all three points after a, I think a more narrow loss in the first game than some people had expected. That game was only one nil in the end. So for Portugal, a good opportunity here to make at least a little noise in group E uh, before it's all said and done. Final game of the day is Australia, the hosts or the co-hosts taking on Nigeria. And like we mentioned earlier, this game could have really big implications because even though it wouldn't seem like a that even of a matchup on paper, with Sam Kerr out and with these other injuries having occurred in training, as or so we hear, and probably ruling out those players for this game, it now becomes, for Nigeria, a much more uh, doable task to get one or three points out of this game and really throw a massive... Uh, a massive loop into what we expected from group B. So Greg, do you think Nigeria have it in them to take one or three points? And do you think that this match uh, could really shake up what we expect out of uh, Canada, Australia, and Nigeria heading into that final match day? I mean, they do, they did it against Canada. It, it took a little bit of luck uh, and you know, you, they, you just have to hope that they can push that luck, ride it for 90 more minutes uh, because there would be nothing better me than than three teams being alive going into the last match day of this group especially with that canada australia match coming up like no i I don't want there to be safety nets for other teams i like having a safety net but for my drama and enjoyment watching on this last day i want canada australia to be like we have to win or we are eliminated (laughs) so i absolutely am hoping that nigeria get uh some result any result would do it but uh yes i'm i'm desperate for these kinds of uh, chaos outcomes. Yeah, and I guess the only other question I have uh, with this game is, do you think that Nigeria needs to take three just looking at the standings with Canada on four and a plus one goal difference, Australia on three and a plus one goal difference, and then Nigeria on one right now? Do you think that Nigeria does need to take all three points in this game, or do you think one is enough to give them a hope on the final day of advancing if they just take three against Ireland and stuff shakes out uh, in the Canada-Australia game? One one is totally enough, just because of the way the goal difference will work. Uh, If they're on two points and Australia and Canada are both on four, um, and obviously they would need the win against Ireland, but they'd be playing a a, a lame duck Ireland already eliminated. So if they get to five points... And the only outcome that uh, doesn't see them advance is a Canada-Australia draw where those teams both stay ahead of them on goal difference. So uh, a, just any draw here really sets Nigeria, a draw for Nigeria tonight against Australia really sets them up um, for, again, those late, those final day dramatics. And man, I don't think coming into the World Cup, we would have expected this group to be the chaos group, but it certainly is shaping up like that. Group A and Group B, the groups with the hosts, looking to offer, I mean, a ton of fun heading in to the final match day. That Group A with Switzerland on four and New Zealand and the Philippines on three and Norway on one, all those teams still alive. And then Group B, a three-headed race for those top two positions. 
that's going to be a lot of fun heading into the final match day, especially if Nigeria is able to help us out here and take at least a point off of Australia. Certainly doable given all the factors that we mentioned, namely injuries. So Joey, Joey, are you, are you staying up to watch these games mostly or are you watching them in the morning? Which ones? Like almost every game, these, these overnight games, not the 8, 9 p.m. kickoffs. I uh, cannot stay up that late. <laughs> my so my body day. shuts down. Yeah, so I'm watching, them, I'm watching them as soon as I wake up, putting them on, on, on delay, you know. But for these final days, simultaneous kickoffs, if, if Group A and Group uh, B are in those positions where it is this, uh, you know, zero margin for error for three or four teams in, in Group A's case, like, it's going to be tough not to have to watch those live. Like, the drama of simultaneous live kickoffs uh, is pretty much too good to pass up. So, uh, even as an old, I think I'd have to be setting the alarm. Yeah, I'm, I might have to wake up a couple more times than I thought I would heading into this tournament to watch those games. And I think the U.S. also plays at something like 3 o'clock um, on the final match day. So, that'll be another one that I have to wake up for. Uh, so, yeah, maybe some uh, middle-of-the-night soccer watches as we head into the uh final round the simultaneous matches of the women's world cup but yeah it should be a ton of fun and those are only the games or the groups so far that have become chaos groups we'll see what happens with a bunch of these other groups as we head into the second match day group f uh group h could provide some uh, some fun heading in to match day three but greg i think that's all we have to cover today do you have anything else no, man. Match day. Love it. It's party. Yeah. U.S. match day. Uh, also, uh, Scuffed will be having their uh, the call-in show after the match. So there's uh, a little shout-out heading into that. Also, listen to the Woso Wednesday with Vince, Tara, Bells as they break down a match day for the U.S. WNT against Netherlands. So a rematch of the final should be a ton of fun. But thank you, Greg. Thank you, listeners, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to recap the U.S. among many other matches. Thank you for listening to Wilson Daily. We'll see you.